Since 1998, nearly one third of hospitals in British Columbia have stopped providing planned obstetric services. Most of these closures occurred in low volume hospitals serving smaller rural communities. Did these service closures have any effect on health outcomes of women residing in these smaller communities? I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Jennifer Hutchin. She's a researcher at BC Children's Hospital and Assistant Professor in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Hutchin and her co-authors published a research study in CMAJ that examined the clinical effect of stopping the planned obstetric services on health outcomes of pregnant women in BC. Today, she talks to me about what those effects were, what they found in their study, and we speculate about what that means for physicians in rural and urban settings. I reached Dr. Hutchin in Vancouver. Hello, Dr. Hutchin. Hi, how are you? Great. Thanks for talking to us today. I can see from the introduction of your paper that there have been a number of studies that have looked at the safety of obstetrical services in small communities. What's different about your study? What is your unique question and why did you want to study it? Well, so most of the studies that have tried to look at the safety of um, obstetrical service in small communities have used one of two approaches. So either they've tried to compare the pregnancy outcomes of women who delivered in small hospitals and compare those to the outcomes of women who delivered in larger hospitals, or they've tried comparing the pregnancy outcomes of women who live in small rural communities to the outcomes of women who live in larger urban centers. But both of these approaches can have problems with them. So if you're trying to compare smaller hospitals to larger hospitals, it's really hard to account for referral referral patterns. So we know that women with higher risk pregnancies are more likely to be sent to larger hospitals. So this can make the outcomes at larger hospitals look worse, even though it has nothing to do with the care provided there, it has to do with the fact that they're caring for higher risk women. So a better approach is to try to compare the women who live in rural centers versus urban centers, But this can also be problematic because we know that women who live in rural areas tend to differ from women who live in urban centers in a number of different ways um, related to health behavior. And it can be very challenging to try to disentangle the effects of these differences in health behavior, so things like activity level or diet, from the actual care that's provided in the smaller hospitals. So our study was different because what we did was compare the pregnancy outcomes of women who live in the same community, but before or after that community stopped providing a local obstetrical services. So essentially, we're using each community as its own control, which helps us better compare uh, like with like. And what we think this does is help us eliminate some of the effects caused by underlying differences between women who live in rural centers versus urban centers and really hone in on the effects of provision of local services. Um, One of the other things that we also did was looked at the pregnancy outcomes of women who lived in small communities that didn't have any service closures. So this helped us further account for any underlying time trends. So things like we know the cesarean section rate is going up over time. So by combining these two approaches, this within community analysis and using other communities to control for time trends, we think we were probably much better able to isolate the effects of hospital care and availability of local services from other factors that can kind of blur the comparisons. That sounds like a really rigorous approach. What did you use to measure and compare the safety of labor and delivery in these small hospitals? 
Well, when we were trying to decide what measure we wanted to use to look at safety, we knew we wanted to use a more global measure. So something that would really capture this idea of when the birth announcement was sent out to family and friends, was it able to say mom and baby doing well? So what we chose was an outcome measure that's called the adverse outcome index. And this is a composite outcome. So it means that it combines 10 different pregnancy complications that can happen to either the mom or the baby. So things like, did the baby get injured during the delivery? Um, did the baby need to go to the intensive care unit? Did the mom need a transfusion because she lost too much blood following the delivery? And this measure had previously been developed by a group of experts in obstetrical care safety from the US. And it was actually specifically created for the purpose of evaluating the safety of labor and delivery. So it seemed directly relevant um, to what we wanted to do. And one of the things we also liked about this index is that as well as having this marker of sort of 10 bad things that can happen to either mom or baby during labor and delivery, it also has weights that try to account for the differences in severity of these events. So for example, we know that a maternal death is much more serious an event than a third degree tear. And by providing weights, which uh, the experts on this committee came up with through a consensus process, it lets you try to start to account for these differences in severity in your analyses. Dr. Hutchin, what did you not study? Because you can't always study everything in these in these very large population-based studies. What did you not study and what was beyond the scope of your research? This is a really important question. Um, we only looked at clinical health outcomes in our study. So what we didn't look at were, first of all, things like cost effectiveness. So we didn't look to see if the cost of delivering care uh, went down or perhaps up following the closure of local obstetrical services. The other thing we also didn't look at was the social consequences of closing these local obstetrical um, services. And we know from previous research um, that has been done by talking to women who are um, in communities without local obstetrical services, that not having local services has a number of important consequences for the women and also for their families. So things like when you need to travel to another town to deliver, this can be very stressful um, because of road conditions, especially in Canada in the winter. So this is both trying to make it to the hospital to deliver and also coming home um, after with a newborn baby in the middle of a storm. We also know that for women who have other children, not having local services can be stressful in terms of trying to arrange for childcare while they're away uh, giving birth. And it can also create a number of um, financial stresses. So the costs of relocating before the delivery, um, other travel expenses, and just being away from your family, other supports, maybe even your spouse is certainly not ideal during this very important time. So our study only looked at clinical health outcomes, which are certainly an important part of the puzzle, but they're really only one piece, and they certainly need to be combined with these other pieces, the economic and the social impact in any decision-making about provision of local obstetrical services. Well, the clinical outcomes are definitely of interest to our audience at CMAJ. And what did you find? Our main finding was really that closure of planned obstetrical services at a local hospital didn't really increase or decrease the frequency of adverse events for the mom or the baby during labor and delivery. Um, and part of this might be explained by our finding that actually many women were already delivering elsewhere before the service closure. So they probably weren't necessarily affected by the service closure. We did find though that epidural use was more common after the service closures which we think might reflect the fact that there might be better access to anesthesia services at larger centers. 
Um, and the other difference that we found was that women's length of stay before delivery was about half an hour longer after the service closure, which we think might reflect the fact that physicians may be more likely to admit women earlier in labor if they know that they have a fairly long drive home. And then the other finding we had was when we applied these severity weights to the adverse events in our primary outcome, we found that so even though on average the frequency of the adverse events was the same before and after the closure, the adverse events that did occur after the closure seemed to be less serious. Although the numbers when we start looking at the types of adverse events do get small, so it's really hard to dig into this a little bit further. But overall, it seemed like closing the local planned obstetrical services didn't create any major benefits in terms of safety of labor delivery, but it also really didn't seem to do much harm either. What's the take-home message for the physician? Putting the study into practical clinical terms, are there any findings that might affect the way physicians handle obstetrical care in rural settings, small towns, or even urban settings? I think our results are really more relevant to policymakers who are trying to make these decisions about whether or not to close planned obstetrical services in many of our small communities. Um, So our findings certainly suggest that closure probably isn't going to improve or harm women's health during labor and delivery. And to us, this is really suggesting that decisions should be made primarily on other considerations, so the economic and the social, rather than because you think it's going to improve clinical health outcomes. Um, I do think our study, though, provides reassurance both to physicians and women that if their local hospital does close, uh, women will still likely have a safe labor and delivery. So I think it is a a reassuring message to physicians and women, but the implications are primarily at the policymaking level. It certainly does seem to be reassuring. And you've mentioned that, that this has policy implications. Do you think it has policy implications beyond BC? Do you think the findings are applicable to perhaps other parts of Canada? That's a tough question. Um, Certainly all communities and all regions are very unique. Um, But I think our results probably are broadly applicable to other parts of Canada, perhaps that have similar geographic conditions. And I'm thinking in particular of uh, travel times between towns. So in our study from British Columbia, the median travel time to the next town that had planned obstetrical services was about one hour. So I think it seems reasonable to say that our results may very well be applicable to other parts of the country where this is also the case. But on the other hand, they may not be applicable to, for example, parts of the north where there's considerably larger distances involved um, and including air travel as well. And they may also not be applicable to, say, parts of southern Ontario or Quebec where there's much better access to larger centres. I find this very interesting as a person who's um, had a child. An hour seems a a terribly long way to have to travel if you're in labor. Um, Absolutely. And in the wintertime and in the middle of a snowstorm, it's uh, certainly not trivial. It's understandable why this causes a lot of stress for women. Dr. Hutchin, why is it that there have been service closures over this time period? Do you think those were for economic reasons, just streamlining services? You know, we've spoken to a number of people from a number of sites. I think that was the primary reason. Um, But it's, you know, every site is different. And in some sites, it was um, struggling to find enough healthcare providers to keep the services open. So sort of the burden on health providers of being, you know, a sole sole, um, physician providing maternity care and that kind of thing. So I think it's tough to say that it was primarily for economic gain. I think it's often a constellation of factors. And I think also our finding that a lot of women are delivering elsewhere already, even in communities that didn't have 
that have not experienced service closures is also saying that women are perhaps choosing to go to bigger centers. Well, Dr. Hutchin, that's been a very interesting chat and thank you for speaking to us today. Well, thank you very much for the chance to talk about our study. I've been speaking with Dr. Jennifer Hutchin, researcher at BC Children's Hospital and assistant professor in the Faculty of Medicine at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. To read the research article she co-authored, visit cmaj.ca.